is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The two big stories tonight... Upcoming President's State of the Union Address, and trouble, more trouble, at the senior levels of the FBI. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk a little bit about the President's State of the Union Address, but here's the deal. It starts in less than three hours. I don't understand these programs. I'm not trying to be critical. They go on and on. They're handed five talking points about what the president's going to say, and then we talk about the fools, the clowns that are going to be in the audience and create a spectacle. And this is discussed all day long. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last State of the Union address? Do you remember Barack Obama's last State of the Union address? Do you remember what he said? Of course you don't. Who the hell does? Or the one before that, or the one before that, or the one before that. Only one I remember is when Congressman Joe Wilson confronted Obama and correctly told him, you lie on the immigration issue. And the only one I remember before that is when President Reagan took a whole stack of appropriations called an omnibus bill and dropped it on the podium to show how these omnibus bills are unknowable, unreadable, and preposterous as he was attacking Congress for its budget practices. I don't remember much more about State of the Union addresses. I certainly don't remember what all the people on TV and radio were saying about them before the State of the Union address. But we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, there's two issues that are coming up that uh, talk show hosts on TV and radio are very, very excited about because it's going to show Trump as a uniter and it's going to show the American people that he's not deranged and blah, blah, blah. In other words, the, the, the analysis goes that he's going to break out of the box that the liberals have built for him. And how's he going to do that? He's going to support a $1.5 trillion infrastructure program and he's already proposed 11 million illegal aliens get amnesty. Now, they're never going to put it that way, but that's exactly what it is. Mitch McConnell's very excited today. He said, LULAC says this is a good beginning. LULAC is a radical left-wing group. A radical left-wing group, they say it's a good beginning. And Mitch McConnell's very excited about that. So you see where that's going. Right down the crapper. And $1.5 trillion, I'm going to put this in perspective for you a little later in the program. $1.5 trillion, folks, and you're going to be told that don't worry, it's going to be a public-private partnership, and we only put in $200 billion, and they put in this. Let me tell you something. We don't have any money. In less than 15 years, the Social Security Trust Fund that hasn't already gone broke, disability has, is gone, empty. And Medicare is too. And we have over $20 trillion in fiscal operating debt, over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities. And we conservatives, we, we can't, th I mean, this is fundamental to who we are and what we believe for generations to come. This is fundamental to the idea of limited constitutional government and fiscal responsibility. If we're not fiscally responsible, 
and we don't believe the government's too big, then what do we stand for? Absolutely nothing. So we'll get into that a little bit more, too. Oh, I know, I know. I'm supposed to be clapping, clapping, clapping. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be very excited about the president giving his speech. I want him to be very successful. Uh, and I, I want the American people to watch. But like I've told you before, doesn't mean I'm going to all of a sudden surrender views I've held for 50 years. That's not going to happen. Yes, as a teenager. Because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, no matter who says it. And the president has an excellent story to tell, too. Excellent. When it comes to the courts, when it comes to regulations, when it comes to uh, uh, foreign policy, he has an excellent message to the American people, too, which is, I'm trying to build the military back up to deal with China and Russia, but the Democrats are blocking me. They think we need more money for food stamps. One dollar for food stamps, one dollar for the Marines. There's really a lot that the president has done and tried to do that he should underscore because the American people aren't otherwise going to hear about it. They're not otherwise going to hear about it. But I'll get all into that a little bit later. There is big, big news with respect to the deputy director of the FBI position, and the late Mr. McCabe, who was forced to resign. And if you looked at the reporting yesterday, over and over and over again, from PBS to NPR to the New York Times, the Washington Post, the CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, all of it. If you looked at it, the innuendo, the insinuation, if not the outright charge, was that the President of the United States fired or forced the firing of Andrew McCabe. Because they want to build into this national psyche obstruction of justice. And yet the President had nothing to do with it. It would have been okay if he did. Constitutionally, politically, he would have gotten whacked. No question in my mind about that. But legally and constitutionally, of course he has every right to fire any subordinate that he wants. But there is a big breaking news, and we're going to start with the Washington Compost, even though it twists and turns and tries to position. The Justice Department, this is important, I know, but it is. The Justice Department's Inspector General has been focused for months on why Andrew McCabe, as the number two official at the FBI, appeared not to act for about three weeks on a request to examine a batch of Hillary Clinton-related emails found in the latter stages of the 2016 election campaign, according to people familiar with the matter. So what's happening now is that McCabe and Comey and all these people leak, leak, leak to the media. So there's counter-leaking going on. Some people are saying this disinformation and misinformation being pushed out by McCabe and his allies, by Comey and his allies being regurgitated by the likes of Joe Scarborough and Don Lemon and Brian Stelter and Wolf Blitzer and all the rest of them, needs to be countered. The Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, has been asking witnesses why FBI leadership seemed unwilling to move forward on the examination of emails found on the laptop of former Congressman Anthony Weiner until late October about three weeks after first being alerted to the issue, 
according to these people who spoke on the Kish anonymity to discuss the sensitive matter. A key question of the internal investigation is whether McCabe or anyone else at the FBI wanted to avoid taking action on the laptop findings until after the November 8 election, these people said. It's unclear whether the Inspector General has reached any conclusions on that point. Well, it's clear that the FBI director has. A major line of inquiry for the Inspector General has been trying to determine who at the FBI and the Justice Department knew about the Clinton emails on the Wiener laptop, and when they learned about them. McCabe is a central figure in those inquiries, these people said. Now, let's stop right there. So, in other words, Donald Trump was right about this guy from day one. Donald Trump was right about this guy being a liberal Democrat partisan from day one. Donald Trump was right, right to tweet about this guy over and over again, as he did. The media didn't care. The media attacked Trump. Because that is what the phony media do in this country. The FBI declined to comment, as did a spokesman for the Inspector General. An attorney from McCabe did not respond to a request for comment. Andrew McCabe, who has faced repeated criticism from President Trump, is stepping down as Deputy Director of the FBI and will formally retire in March. On Monday, McCabe left the FBI following a meeting with FBI Director Christopher Wray in which they discussed the Inspector General's investigation, according to people familiar with the matter. Inspector General Horowitz announced in January 2017, it's a year ago, that he was examining the Justice Department's handling of the Clinton investigation. His report is expected in the spring. The matter of the Wiener laptop emails has been debated publicly for more than a year, in part because <clears throat> many Clinton supporters say the FBI tilted the 2016 race toward Donald Trump when it announced in late October that it was reopening its probe into Clinton's use of a private email server when she served as Secretary of State. Now we know why. Think it through. Now we know why. You see, because, ladies and gentlemen, they chose to sit on these emails till right before the election, the week before the election. And so, obviously, there was pressure that built for Comey and McCabe to look at them. You see, you have real, serious, honorable professionals at the FBI, not like Comey and McCabe and those, uh, and those dregs. And so the pressure was on. And so Comey had to announce, well, we got more emails. I got to look at them real fast, real, 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 real fast. Rather than three weeks before. Key parts of what went into that decision have remained murky and are a major focus of the Inspector General's probe, according to people familiar with the matter. In late September 2016, FBI agents in New York were investigating Wiener for possible Internet crimes involving a teenage girl. In the course of that probe, they discovered that his laptop contained thousands of work emails belonging to Wiener's then-wife, Huma Abedin. Abedin was a longtime aide to Clinton, and agents wanted to know whether the emails and questions might shed light on the Clinton investigation, which had been closed in July without any charges. And, of course, we know why it was closed in July. Because that was obstruction and a cover-up. And we've been through that many times. And tonight's not another time to repeat it. But you can see the consistent behavior, the pattern 
of cover-up and obstruction on behalf of the Clinton campaign. And we know that Comey's a leaker. We know that McCabe's a leaker, thanks to Howard Kurtz's book. We know that Stroke's a leader. We know that his girlfriend Page is a leaker. We know there's leaking coming out of Mueller's camp. And this is why most of the media, most of the time, are protecting their sources, who happen to be senior-level FBI and Department of Justice officials. The New York FBI office alerted FBI headquarters to the new email issue within days. Accounts differ as to when precisely, but McCabe was aware of the matter by late September or early October at the latest, according to people familiar with the matter. The agents on the Wiener case wanted to talk to the Clinton email, uh, uh, let's see, uh, wanted to talk to the Clinton email investigators and see whether the messages were potentially important. Some people familiar with the matter said officials at FBI headquarters asked the New York agents to analyze the email's metadata, the sender, recipient, and times of the messages, to see whether they seemed relevant to the closed probe. McKay was involved in those discussions. But there are differing accounts about how much then-FBI Director James Comey understood about the matter in the early days of October. Oh, don't hand me that crap. We've been told how brilliant James Comey is, how experienced he is, former U.S. Attorney, Deputy Attorney General. Oh, this guy was swell. This guy Comey was really on the ball. An attorney for Comey would not immediately be reached for comment. Some people involved at the time said Comey learned of the issue around the same time as McCabe. Others contend Comey did not know about it until weeks later. Senior Justice Department officials, according to several people familiar with the issue, were not notified until mid-October. But for a period of at least three weeks, according to people involved at the time, nothing much happened. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, McCabe sat on it. And I would argue Comey sat on it. That's right. They didn't want to affect the outcome of the election. What happened was pressure built from the bottom up. Real investigators. The real gumshoes, as we used to call them. They were saying, what's going on? What's going on? Why are they sitting on it? Let's get to the bottom of this. McCabe's defenders in law enforcement say there was nothing nefarious going on. Officials were pursuing a careful process of determining whether the emails might be relevant. And that took time. Other law enforcement officials, however, have said they're concerned that the issue seemed to die for a period of time at McCabe's desk without explanation. Then on October 24, 2016, shortly before the election, the Wall Street Journal reported that McCabe's wife had received hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions from a close ally of Clinton, then Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, a.k.a. the Clinton bagman. The donations were for McCabe's wife's unsuccessful run as Democrat for the, for the Virginia Senate. So hundreds of thousands of dollars flow into McCabe's wife's campaign from McAuliffe, his organization. And this is what set Trump off. The dormant laptop issue then appeared to gain new attention inside the FBI and Justice Department at a meeting of senior officials of both agencies. Senior Justice Department official... George Toscus asked about the status of the inquiry into the emails on Wiener's laptop, according to people familiar with the matter. At the same time, the FBI was facing a new set of questions, this time about McCabe's role in a stalled probe into the Clinton Foundation. A stalled probe into the Clinton Foundation. Some in the FBI felt McCabe had been re repeatedly moved to hamstring that probe and were suspicious of his motives for doing so, according to people familiar with the matter. 
What do you think of this, ladies and gentlemen? I'll be right back. government functions and so forth, but look at the Paul Manafort case. You don't have to like Manafort. I don't know anything about the guy. Never met him in my life, never spoken to him in my life. It doesn't matter. The entire case against Manafort has been leaked to the media without his ability to reply. Same with Flynn, same with all of them. When you have investigators or prosecutors are trying to destroy people through the media, trying to affect politics through the media, trying to change the outcome of an election through the media. And the media happily reporting what they say because the media agree with them and their politics, and also the media want the, uh, you know, the breaking stories. But McCabe sat on emails, on the Anthony Weiner emails. Comey sat on the uh, information for two months. Uh, with respect to uh, his memos and so forth, he already cleared Hillary. The uh, Steele dossier was used in whole or part in uh, one of the uh, FISA warrants. Stroke and Page, two of the key investigators, hated Trump, loved Hillary, were constant leakers. I mean, this is bad. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, there's a mantra out there among uh, conservative and pseudo-conservative media types about this memo that it really better not have been oversold. It better really, you know, have some new bombshells in there and so forth. I'm thinking to myself, do they comprehend what we already know? And what the New York Times reported yesterday in an attempt to protect their sources but expose them, or what the Washington Post is reporting today, how many more bombshells? What, what do they expect? A confession? This is truly extraordinary, what's been taking place here. We are unraveling, one step at a time, an abuse of power, the likes of which we haven't seen in our lifetimes. And we haven't even seen it all yet. We haven't even gotten to the highest levels. Loretta Lynch, Eric Holder, Barack Obama, Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, in my humble opinion, all of them. Now, this isn't the first time a deputy director of the FBI would have taken it upon himself to throw an investigation. I don't care what the inspector general concludes. Maybe they'll conclude that they can't conclude why they sat on it for three weeks. Maybe they'll conclude that Mr. McCabe had a good answer. There is no good answer. There was a recent book called Leak, Why Mark Felt Became Deep Throat. Mark Felt was the deputy FBI director when Nixon was president. And in the promotional material for the book, 
on Amazon. It says, through the shadowy persona of Deep Throat, FBI official, who is the number two, the deputy, Mark Felt, became as famous as the Watergate scandal his leaks helped uncover. Best known through Hal Holbrook's portrayal in the film version of Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein's All the President's Men. Felt was regarded for decades as a conscientious but highly secretive whistleblower who shunned the limelight. And even after he finally revealed his identity in 2005, questions about his true motivations persisted. You see, he was a serial leaker, leaking to Woodward and Bernstein. It's not that they're great reporters. It's not that they deserved a Pulitzer. The deputy director of the FBI, who was the traffic cop, and in many cases the decision maker with the investigation of, of Watergate, was leaking constantly, endlessly, relentlessly to the Washington Post. Max, ha- uh, Max Holland, who's the author, has found the missing piece of that deep throat puzzle, one that's been hidden in plain sight all along. And he reveals for the first time in detail what truly motivated the FBI's number two executive to become the most fabled secret source in American history. And in the process, he directly challenges Felt's own explanations while also demolishing the legend fostered by Woodward and Bernstein's best-selling account. Holland critiques all the theories of Felt's motivation that have circulated over the years, including notions that Felt had been genuinely upset by White House lawbreaking or tried to defend and insulate the FBI from the machinations of the president of uh, President Nixon and his Watergate henchmen, and while acknowledging that Woodward finally disowned the principled whistleblower image of Felt in The Secret Man. Holland shows why that famed journalist's latest explanation still falls short of the truth. Holland showcases the many twists and turns to Felt's story that are not widely known, revealing not a selfless official acting out of altruistic patriotism, but rather a career bureaucrat with his own very private agenda, drawing on his on new interviews and oral histories, old and just-released FBI Watergate files, papers of the Watergate Special Prosecution Force, presidential tape recordings, and Woodward and Bernstein's Watergate-related papers. He sheds important new light on both Felt's motivations, the complex and often problematic relationship between the press and government officials. See, the Washington Post wanted Nixon out. The Washington Post wanted Nixon out. Felt was very upset. Do you know why Felt was upset, Mr. Producer? Because Nixon passed over him and never made him director of the FBI. He was settling a score. That's the bottom line. Felt was settling a score. He was furious that Nixon didn't make him the director of the FBI. Woodward and Bernstein didn't give a damn. They were getting reams and reams of leaked information about the criminal investigation being conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation as well as the Special Prosecutor's Office. I'm telling you this story, and there are other examples of of misconduct at the highest levels of the FBI. Again, not talking about the army of men and women, patriots and heroes that work at the FBI. But it wouldn't be the first time, it wouldn't be the last time. 
Mr. McCabe held the same position as Mr. Felt, the deputy director of the FBI. Mr. McCabe was the traffic cop in both the Hillary Clinton investigation and the launched steel Russia collusion investigation. The same Washington Post that used the leaks from Felt to build up its own enterprise, to brand its own name, to hand out Pulitzer Prizes, has for the most part been covering up for FBI officials, just as the New York Times has. There is this insidious relationship between government officials and the media if government officials are going to undermine the country and advance the cause of the progressive movement. You never see the opposite, do you? You never see leaks coming out of the FBI, for example, at the highest levels against Barack Obama or Eric Holder, or Barack Obama's lawyer, or Barack Obama's chief of staff, or Barack Obama's vice president, or Barack Obama's head of national security. You never see leaks coming out against them and then the media protecting the leakers in those cases. So this is the mindset, and now you can understand why this mindset is poisonous and why this mindset was uh, fairly widespread in the Obama administration because it also touched the highest levels of the intelligence agencies. How do you think Michael Flynn's name was leaked? And even in that instance, if in fact, and it's likely they did, the senior level of the FBI was aware, Flynn, like him or not, that's not the point, that Flynn had a conversation or conversations with the ambassador to Russia. That likely was also the result of an FBI leak. Because if there's to be a wiretap or uh, some form of surveillance of the Russian ambassador or others, uh, it would have had to go through the FBI and the Justice Department. And it doesn't have to necessarily be the FISA court because you don't have to use the FISA court on a foreigner like the ambassador of Russia. And then Flynn's name is leaked. Either by somebody at the White House, somebody in one of the intelligence agencies, or even likely now, somebody at the FBI. Somebody at the FBI. Now the Democrats have gone full Soviet-style on us, uh, ironically, while they attack this Russia collusion stuff. Party first, power first. Party first, power first. The media in this country, almost to a man and woman, not exclusively, but almost, are out there trying to destroy Trump. The perfect example is Andrea Mitchell. When this story came out yesterday about... uh, about McCabe, she tweets out there very quickly or retweets somebody saying, uh, if this isn't for a personal matter, this could be a problem. In other words, for Trump. And the stories all last night and all yesterday afternoon were about Trump. The insinuation is that the political individuals at the Department of Justice or the FBI director himself got rid of McCabe 
on orders from Trump. That's what they were hoping for. That's what they were praying for so they could claim again obstruction of justice. But that's not what happened. According to this story, the inspector general is investigating why McCabe sat on those Anthony Weiner emails, which are relevant because they are emails that he received as a result of being married to Abaddon, an email she received as a result of being the closest confidant that Hillary Clinton had and that they'd never seen before. And the question is, and the question from the field, the FBI field officials was, why is McCabe, why is Maine Justice sitting on this? So you see, the argument that the liberals make, <clears throat> which is, this is an attack on the FBI by right-wing zealots, no, the attack on the FBI occurred by Mr. McCabe and Mr. McCombe, Mr. Comey and their cronies, and it's an attack on the institution of the FBI and the integrity of the FBI by these men being defended by the same left-wing politicians who trash police officers and local police departments. They don't give a damn about the FBI. Not in the least. No, or we're going to talk about the State of the Union, but I mean, my God. State of the Union's in about two hours. We'll talk about it, but isn't the time to talk about the State of the Union after it actually occurs? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Okay, okay, I'm under proud. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. Don't get, don't, don't worry about it. I'll be right back. Lovin. But fact here, I wish that when I was a talk radio listener, and I'm quite serious about this, that I had somebody who could walk me through this during Watergate, or that there was somebody out there, a voice out there, who could unravel these kinds of things or begin to pull together the various pieces of information. And it's basically because of my experience, not because I'm smarter than most people. And this is very, very important what's taking place with all the distractions and all the ceremonies and all the rest. I'm just telling you. I want to also tell you about my ID care. You've heard about all these cyber violations by government entities, by surrogates for government entities, by thugs. It's extremely sophisticated. Extremely sophisticated. So you want to try and find the best company that can do the best job to protect you. And I've now found that company. I was looking and I found that company. So I've transitioned to this company and I want you to be aware of it because now they're a wonderful sponsor. And they're named My ID Care. It's that simple. And they've actually been around quite a long time. And they've been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years and years. And I want to talk to you for a minute about something you really need to pay attention to because it affects you and your family. It's tax time. And I want to talk to you about tax fraud. Those of you who file income tax returns, whether they're short form, along with a bunch of schedules, you are being targeted. There's no question. 
and it's expected to be especially bad this year due to that awful Equifax breach that compromised the personal information of half of American adults. With how clever the cyber crooks are these days, you need a different kind of identity protection. You really need to muscle up. Someone who works with you personally, takes care of you and your family personally, providing best-in-the-class service. I'm very proud of my new partner, my ID Care, company that has been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years. At a wonderful session with the CEO of this company, a fellow named Tom. He's got enormous experience and background in this area, which is why he's their CEO. My ID Care recognizes that individuals like you, you need stellar protection too. So they're now offering their services directly to consumers, to individuals, to families, just like you. And it's less than 10 bucks a month. My ID Care covers the nine types of identity theft. And they have years of experience with tax fraud, but also all kinds of other cyber fraud, including medical or insurance identity theft too. So you, my listeners, you get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Let myidcare take care of you. It's myidcare.com slash mark, then enter promo code mark. There's a lot of marks here. myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark, one more time. myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. Well, do you have it, Mark? Does your family have it? Answer, yes which is exactly why I'm strongly encouraging you to get your MyIDCare. Move over to those folks. They're really, really good. MyIDCare.com slash mark, promo code mark. And I only chose them after doing my own research and finding them. Okay, let's go. Whoa. Got a full board here. Darius, Scottsdale, Arizona, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Uh, okay. Long, or actually, not a long-time listener. Uh, uh, just Doesn't matter. Just found you on ser- serious Radio. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, All right. Definitely enjoy your show. Um, I'm new to you. But anyways, uh, I'm calling because I definitely, I've been in law enforcement for almost 30 years now. And just to see what's going on in, in our government, um, you know, at the upper levels with the FBI, with... Uh, you know, our, our Secretary of State, uh, you know, the previous administration, um, just all the stuff that's been happening. I mean, how can one not believe that there are two sets of rules for, you know, one for them and one for us? I mean, it's kind of well, frustrating. There are, there I, are yeah. two sets of rules. I mean, look at this. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, they're throwing around the phrase obstruction of justice. They start investigating collusion, which isn't even a crime and never occurred. Now they're moving around trying to pick off associates of his with the most preposterous uh, charges, digging up, dusting off all charges uh, that were never brought but considered against Manafort and his partner, uh, Flynn, with a false statements. This other guy, Papadopoulos, or whatever his name is, with a false statement. I mean, they got 16, 17, uh, you know, sharp-toothed prosecutors there, the vast majority of whom are... Um, are certifiable leftists uh, with uh, with pedigrees that include significant contributions to Obama and or Hillary presidential campaigns. Now you got this guy McCabe. Uh, his, uh, uh, his 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 uh, pedigree is now being revealed 
and Donald Trump and others, and I have been talking about it for some time, but he's under attack, Trump. You can't talk about the independence of the FBI. Does this sound like an independent FBI to you, sir? (laughs) No, sir. Not at all. And uh, does it sound like uh, the media really care if it's independent or not? I don't think they do, and clearly if they're abusing their powers, and, you know, it, it's just, I, I'm, I don't want to say I, I'm, I'm shocked. Well, there's, we got to go, but, you know, there's only one party trying to get to the bottom of this, and only half of that party. And you can uh, thank the House Intelligence Committee more than any, and particularly Devin Nunes. Thank you, Darius, for your service. We'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Maybe I ought to go to the, one of these State of the Unions one day. I'm, I'm usually, although not this year, I'm usually invited. But, you know, I want to do the radio show. And uh, if you're going to watch it, as I am, uh, it's easier to watch it sitting at home. In this State of the Union, uh, the media will be focusing a lot on the malcontents and the miscreants that will be populating the galley. The uh, gallery brought in by the Democrats. Illegal immigrants, among others. Um, I don't know what else they're bringing in, but it will be a real Star Wars scene. But the fact of the matter is, they want to create a spectacle. The media will spend as much time reporting on the spectacle. And is it five or 105 uh phony state of the union addresses that will be given by left-wing kooks all around the country. The disrespect that the office of the president is receiving, the disrespect that this president is receiving is really unparalleled. And really the only way a Republican function properly 
is if people conduct themselves with virtue. And there are certain traditions and events that take place in this country where you expect people to, I mean, you don't have to applaud, you can sit on your hands or whatever, but to conduct yourself as a mature adult. But that apparently is too much anymore. The president has a lot of good stuff that he can say. And remember, he's talking to the American people as well. And he should lay out his record. He should also lay out the problems he's been having with the Democrats, with the media. But he's really done amazing things when you look at ISIS, when you look at his his handling of North Korea in ways that past presidents have not and have refused to. He's having to deal with Iran and the outrageous Iran deal. The Democrats are in a perpetual hate mode for two reasons. One, Trump is undoing Obama's dirty work. He's undoing Obama's disastrous, destructive, anti-American policies. And number two, he's advancing fairly conservative policies. They also hate the fact that he will not allow the media, which is an appendage of the Democrat Party and vice versa, to interpret his agenda and interpret his statements for him. He does it directly through Twitter. Also, he doesn't suffer fools easily. And he doesn't like to be attacked, so he attacks back. Point is, that's like a normal person. But you're not allowed to do that. We've got never-Trumpers who are very offended by this behavior. You've got leftists. Their behavior is far worse, but they're offended that he's conducting himself this way. And on and on and on. But there's a couple areas, as I understand the information being put out by the White House and its surrogates to the media, there's a couple areas that I find troubling. And they're hoping that the Democrats will rally and unite with them to advance these objectives. I mean, I heard uh, Mitch McConnell's very excited about both of them. Hey, hey we've had two hours out there. Two hours out there where we're going to be bipartisan. We're going to get this stuff. And what are they going to do? Liberal things. Big time liberal things. And that's how the White House hopes to rally the Democrats to a united cause. Number one, massive amnesty for 11 million illegal aliens. And that's the number. I had estimated 12, but it's 11, 12 million. It's not legalization for seven or 800,000 DACA. It's not citizenship for 1.8 million. It is 11 million amnesty citizenship. That's the proposal. But, Mark, you don't understand, in exchange, we're going to end chain migration? No, we're not. In exchange, we're going to get a wall and the Mexicans are going to pay for it? No, we're not. And they'll wait out the president. Some of my colleagues think this is an act of genius because it exposes the Democrats. It doesn't expose them to anything. This is their base. This is what they want. This is what they live for. Balkanization. Them against us. Turn out the base in midterm elections. And they'll wait out Trump on this till they get a Democrat president, House and Senate. Then they'll control everything and they'll know what to do with it, unlike the Republicans. The second issue in which apparently the White House hopes to rally the nation and the Democrats to show, hey, 
We can do this together here. I said bipartisan here. We're going to bipartisan. McConnell's all excited about this, too. It is a massive infrastructure bill. Well, Mark, we need new roads and highways. I said it is a massive infrastructure bill. And ladies and gentlemen, if you really think about this, the amount of money your community taxes you, property taxes, sales taxes, income taxes, whatever it is, wherever you are, the idea that they still haven't fixed your roads and your highways and your bridges and your tunnels, what the hell do you think is going to happen to this money? You know, we used to have a highway trust fund. What happened to all that money? Here outside of, uh, of Washington, D.C., in the Commonwealth of Virginia, they can't even get that damn subway to run properly. And you know what they're doing? They're extending it by miles and miles and miles into the outer suburbs. It's now going to be 35 miles from Washington, D.C. You can't escape it. Well, the silver line's there. I mean, the red line's there, the blue line, the purple line, the this line, the that line. Oh, that line and this line. Oh, that line and this line. Typical government. And the cost is through the roof. And there you go. Just to ride the damn thing costs a fortune. So we're going to uh, do a couple of things. When you have a massive federally controlled private-public partnership, see that? That'll get you'll go... Well, look, it's the private-public partnership. Private, they're going to enter and they're going to invest in this. Private companies get rich investing with the federal government in these projects. There's always cost overruns. But what's going to happen in many of these cases? They're not going to fix anything. We're going to build new, brand new, so we can have local politicians cut ribbons and take credit and then run for, for state office. It is such a massive scam. And what about the debt? You think this is cost-free? You must be living in Colorado and smoking pot, or Washington, D.C. and smoking pot. This isn't cost-free. It's never cost-free. Don't believe this silliness anyway. It's not cost-free. It costs us $2 on the dollar. So here's Gary Kahn on CNBC today. Cut 16, go. We've got to do a bipartisan infrastructure bill in the Senate. We need 60 votes in the Senate. Wow, they're going to have a real problem spending money in the Senate, aren't they, ladies and gentlemen? You'll get almost all the Republicans, maybe 10 of them won't go, 5 of them won't go, 12 of them won't go, and most of the Democrats, hey, spending, how much? $1.5 trillion, just like Obama's days. Let's go. Boy, they're going to have a hell of a time getting agreement on that. Have they ever had a problem getting bipartisan support for massive spending? Ever? This is how we're going to bring the country together. And the idea that the Democrats are going to want to bring the country together when they've been pulling us apart, when they've been balkanizing us since Obama, when that has been their political agenda and strategy, the idea they're going to pocket this $1.5 trillion. They're going to pocket the 11 million illegal aliens becoming citizens. And they're going to go for impeachment if they win the House. How many times have I said it? And, of course, they're out to defeat Trump. Destroy him any way they can. Well, we're going to bring the country together. If one party doesn't want to be brought together, we're not coming together. And so rather than talking about coming together, we should be talking about how to defeat them. How to stop them. How to bring competition, more competition, into network media and so forth.
how to bring more competition into the monopoly school systems, how to have alternative movies, alternative television shows to what we're getting out of Hollywood and so forth. When we abandon these ideas, these reforms, when we abandon them, there's nothing left. You're dealing with a corrupt party in the Democrat Party and a corrupt media with the media. Well, you know, we're all going to come together. No, we're not. Start from the top, Mr. Producer. This is Gary Kahn, well-named, I might add, over at the White House. Senior economics said, well, whatever the hell his job is. Cut 16, go. We've got to do a bipartisan infrastructure bill in the Senate. We need 60 votes in the Senate. So <sighs> we're going to have to create a compromise. There's people that want to go out and deficit spend the entire infrastructure, and there's people that don't want to create any deficit to build our infrastructure. See, well, this is this is it. Now we pretend, keep it right there, we pretend we're taking the middle road here. Look, people want to create the debt. People don't want to spend a nickel. We're going to take a moderate position. We're going to have our public-private partnership. The government will pay $200 billion. $1.3 trillion will pour into this. And man, we're going to have the greatest subways, highways, tunnels. We've never seen anything like this. Yes, we have. It's called the New Deal. It's called the Great Society. We're still paying off the debt. Go ahead trying to do is find a compromise in the middle. What yes. the president is going to talk about tonight, he's going to talk about two key principles on infrastructure. He's going to talk about a trillion and a half dollars of investment, but more importantly, he's going to talk about streamlining the approval process on infrastructure. Sure, right now, sure. we have an infrastructure Hold approval. on, Mr. Producer. Sure, sure. We're going to talk about streamlining the process. With whom? The bureaucracy? The state bureaucracy, local bureaucracy, federal bureaucracy, we're going to streamline the process? You know how you streamline the process? You don't have a process. You don't spend such an, an incredible amount of money. It, it, I mean, how come they don't talk about what they're going to do with Social Security and Medicare? Eh, go ahead. That takes seven to ten years to build a relatively simple road. We need to streamline that to less than two years. The president might even mention streamlining it to less than a year to get infrastructure approved. There is plenty of money in the system, in the private sector, in different bonds that we left in the tax code to finance infrastructure to allow. All right, so this is what you're going to get: a bunch of mud against. Well, we got the bonds and the infrastructure. We we're going to get it from a twelve to eight to seven to two to one years. The Mexicans are going to play for oh yeah yeah you haven't seen anything yet gold plated all the tunnels will be fixed no more potholes bridges everywhere bridges a rainbow bridge it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before it's going to be outstanding no it's not no it's not i don't care if it's trump or reagan or calvin coolidge no it's not i mean folks we didn't just fall off the tuna boat i don't know about you i've been living in this country my entire life there's nothing more wasteful than the federal government. Nothing. $125 billion a year in waste in a $4 trillion budget. $125 billion. We're going to fix it now. I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect example of how they're not going to fix it. There's a law in place called Davis-Bacon. You ever hear that law? Most of you never heard of it before, particularly if you're under the age of 50. Davis-Bacon is a law that was put in place... Uh, at the demand of the unions. And so uh, the wage rate and the cost goes up. 
to produce these various infrastructure projects to fund them. Moreover, if the President of the United States slaps the 50th tariff on foreign steel that comes into this country, because 50 tariffs aren't enough, we need 51 to build a bridge, to build a tunnel, to build a road, the cost is going to go up. So I know they're not going to streamline anything, because they're not addressing either of those. They're not addressing either of those, and they're not going to address either of those. Because they want the Democrats to vote for this. And we want to be able to say, see that? $1.5 trillion in infrastructure, and it cost us almost nothing. We're not extremists, not like the left, not like the right. We went right down the middle. It's a beautiful thing. And meanwhile, the Highway Trust Fund has been robbed of all its money. All of its money. Which is why they keep wanting to increase the federal excise taxes or uh, taxes on the sale of fuel. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. To Joe, Harwington, Connecticut. Where are you calling us from, Joe? The great WABC are you listening to? Yeah, I guess I am. Yes, I am. All right, sir. Go ahead. Uh, People's Republic of Corruptica up here. Hey, I was uh, calling about the infrastructure bill. I mean, I'm in construction, and one would think I'd be all over this because, you know, hey, I'm going to get some, you know, uh, money tossed my way and jobs tossed my way. But the way Trump is going about this, and even Obama went about it the completely wrong way, is, is everybody forgets that there are no shovel-ready jobs, Mark. There, we're not just sitting on a bunch of plans here just waiting for a bridge to go up and waiting for money. I mean, even before you know, even before these projects go... All right, hold on. I want you to slow down and explain this to everybody. Go ahead. Sure. But before a project begins, let's say a bridge that's, that's going over, over the water, before that even begins... There's a myriad of studies that's got to get done. You know, just study, hey, is this feasible? What's the best way to get this done? All the uh, Army Corps of Engineer permits, all the Army Corps of Engineer um, um, approvals and things like that, that alone could take years. Then there's, of course, the design of the bridge, which, again, could take years and cost, you know, a big bridge, you know, just the design costs millions of dollars. A state or an agency is not going to spend that money knowing that it's just going to sit on the shelf useless. They're not going to waste it. There are environmental issues. There are private property issues where somebody can litigate and take you to court and fight over the price of the property or whether you can take their property at all. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues. I don't, if they're going to say it could take one year or two years, that's, in, that's incredibly misleading. Oh, that, that is, if it takes one or two years just to get that, that's, that's quick. I mean, I would give a project, you know, from... The time it gets, you know, time of inception to the time it goes out to bid, I'd give it at least five years, at least, because I see a lot it of these. It took me dots. four months to get a damn small fence in my backyard for the HOA here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go that goes into this. I mean, if he wants to do something meaningful and if he wants to burn through a trillion dollars, what he, what he really needs to do and what the industry really does want we want a, a a a reliable stream of money, a, a you know, not just. Something In other words, they get I get that highway trust fund up up and operating and stop stealing money from it. Exactly. I mean, that, that's one of the things that, that in my trade magazines, they're always crying to, to the Congress, the president about is fund our highway trust fund. And not just fund it this year, make plans to fund but it every year. They steal it. You know, I, I remember when they used to do these uh, earmarks, which the president now supports, which is a disaster. 
Oh, they'd have bike paths and anything related to any mobility whatsoever they would call a highway. Exactly. It's And it's ridiculous. And, you know, it's not just on the federal level. I mean, I'm here in Connecticut, and it, it, I'm sure you, I don't know if you followed us or not, but just, you know, theoretically, our trust fund is broke because they robbed it for the general fund. And let, let, me, let me tell you, whatever happened to the cigarette money? Remember that? Whatever happened to that money? Goes to the general fund. Going. And they spent it. It was gone in a year or two, and it's gone. Same damn thing's going to happen with this. Jacob, I mean, excuse me, Joe, excellent call. Thank you, sir. We'll be back. In a world of pathetic liberal potholes... He's a truck full of hot constitutional asphalt. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right. Let's see who else is in here. Let us go to Kevin, Green Bay, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go. Mr. Levin, sir, it is an honor to talk to you. Um, Thank you. I have to let you know that I... Uh, downloaded uh, Rediscovering Americanism um, on my Kindle um, just yeah. the other day, so I am very much looking forward to reading that. Um, I want to talk to you and, and, and thank ask you. For you that. Yeah. Right, right now, um, mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing and what I'm, what I'm seeing on TV, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party has three, no, no, five different responses coming um, from the President's uh, well, if you're going to go through all five, you're going to need to move it. Go ahead. Well, well, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to go through all five. I'm just saying there, there's no leadership on the Democratic side. It, why, why five? Why, why doesn't uh, you know minority leader of the Senate stand up and uh, and give a response? But there's five different people. There, there's, <laughs> no, there's no leadership. There's no leadership at all. I wish Schumer was giving the response, don't you? He's so hideous, the American people as a collective would be throwing up on their sneakers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so- All right, my friend. Good call. I appreciate it. Okay. Let's see. Ben, Los Angeles, California, 870 AM, The Answer. How are you, sir? Go right ahead. Now, how are you doing, Mr. Levin? Such, a, uh, such an honor to speak with Thank you. you. Um, I you. agree with 99% of the things that you're saying, but yes. unfortunately, in, in regards to this infrastructure bill, I have to disagree with you. Mm. We spent $4.1 trillion from the Federal Reserve uh, pacifying what was happening with uh, the housing crisis. With so much money trickled down to the banks and to the corporations mm-hmm. so they can finally... Um, so they can become stable. And now we have to shift over to legislative policy. Legislative policy has to include infrastructure. I understand in the past people wasted money, they appropriated, and then afterwards they get um, a new uh, Democrats come into power and then they reverse everything. But we need to trust Donald Trump that he's going to be able to negotiate much better deals. Sorry, with pal. Sorry, 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 sorry. I like Trump, but he's not God. And you may not know this, but Donald Trump isn't actually negotiating every contract. They agree to an appropriation, it goes through, and then it's out of Donald Trump's hands. No, yeah, you, uh, yeah. you have to have faith. Then you, you got Democrat to- governors and mayors, Republican governors and mayors. They're going to make all these decisions. Well, or at least many of them. 
Well, that part of it is speculative at this point because... It's actually it's not, not speculative. They asked for a list of infrastructure projects from the mayors, from the state le- the uh, governors, uh, as well as federal infrastructure projects, and so it's not speculative. Actually, you're the one who's being speculative. You actually well, think Donald Trump is... You're not even listening to me. That's how I know you're a cultist. You're just a cultist. Donald Trump's in charge. I'm not worried about it. Now, that's not Republican government, small-R Republican government. Donald Trump's in charge, and I sure as hell feel a lot better with him in charge. Now, here's where I disagree with him, or here's what I'd like him to do, or here's what I think. you got to use your own head. Let, let me get, I, I agree with you. Let me ask you one question. No, you question. don't. Please, let me ask you one question. If, yeah, go ahead. Okay, when the financial markets crash and the Federal Reserve steps All right, in. Thanks for your call. I don't know where he's going, but wrong show. They could crash and the Federal Reserve has nothing to do with the infrastructure. Nothing. Let's continue. Let's go back to L.A. Bill, Los Angeles, 870 a.m. The answer. Go. Good morning, Mark. Or good afternoon, Mark. So yes. in Los Angeles, they've got a 100-year backlog to fix the curbs and the streets in the city. Right now, where do, you, where, where do you think a big chunk of this money for California is going to go? To their backlog of curbs and other crap that the leftists have thought up. Look at the overrun on their so-called subway system. It's out of control. Go ahead. Yeah, not to mention Jerry Brown's choo-choo to nowhere. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. The country's filled with this stuff. Do you think we need $1.5 trillion to fix our roads and bridges? That's what they're going to be telling you tonight. We need it to fix our roads and bridges. They're not spending this money to fix our roads and bridges. They're spending this money to to help one boondoggle after another. They've asked the states and the cities to come up with ideas. They're pulling out. They're dusting off their biggest plans that they can come up with. How many more times do we have to go through this? We've already paid our taxes. These these roads and bridges should have been fixed as we went along. Preventive maintenance. It should have been done with the taxes we already paid. And again, the Highway Trust Fund, you pay a tax, a sales tax, on every gallon of gasoline you use. Where is that money? It's gone. It's down the rat hole. And Jerry, California has the highest gas tax in the country. And he's going to funnel it somewhere to to, to his choo-choo to nowhere. And even more than that, you know, where are the fiscal conservatives? Don't worry, we're going down the middle here. We're not going to spend as much as someone. They've already got the propaganda figured out. 1.5 1.5 trillion. They're going to put in 200 trillion, uh, 200 billion, and the, the private sector is going to pour in with all the rest of it, and so forth and so on. First of all, that's not true. That's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen unless, if I think I can make a bigger buck off of playing with the federal government than doing something in the private sector, I'm going to do that. But look at all the consequences of this. Let's say that's true. You're going to drain 1.3 trillion dollars out of the private sector to do this government initiative. And, and for somebody to say, well, it's okay, Trump's in charge. No, Trump is not in charge of this. Once the appropriation goes through, he has nothing to do, almost nothing to do with it. It's gone, yes. It's, it's out there. And they'll do what they want with it. I mean, we've got a supermajority in California, Democratic upper house, lower house. The Republican Party is dead in California. I mean, it, 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 anyway, I, I am I'm beside yeah. myself. It's... A hundred-year backlog. These night, there's 
19 councilmen in Los Angeles, 19 knuckleheads sitting around a table. The only reason they started fixing the uh, the sidewalks and the curbs is because the uh, the uh, the ADA lawsuit that because uh, the courts their- ordered them to do it. Exactly. All right, my friend, I appreciate it. I mean, if we don't even believe in in fiscal responsibility anymore, I mean, it's just it's just bizarre. But don't worry, we're going to have a public-private uh, partnership. Everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. You know, I love our 2010 Camaro. I've told you this before. But it's getting up there. It's reached that age where things start to go wrong. And things have started to go wrong. I don't worry about those problems anymore, though. Not since I got extended vehicle service protection from CarShield. Now, getting covered by CarShield is a really great idea. It's affordable protection that can save you thousands for a covered repair. A new fuel pump costs 500 bucks. Replacing a water pump's over 1000 How about your timing belt? Yeah, that's 1500 bucks. And if you need repairs to a control arm or a torque converter, stuff most of us never heard of until it breaks, now we're talking thousands of dollars to fix. Before you know it, two, three, four thousand dollars it's that quick. They even have plans that cover your car's computer, GPS, electronics, and much more. CarShield's the ultimate in extended coverage, and they get your favorite mechanic or dealership paid directly. So you're not out the money waiting for your check to arrive. They pay directly. Sign up today. You'll get 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop. Here, save yourself from high repair bills. Get covered by CarShield like I did before something goes wrong. There's no such thing as pre-existing conditions when it comes to cars. Either have this or you don't. So call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. You'll save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or 800-CAR-6100, 800-CAR-6100. Again, code LEVIN. Get the discount. A deductible may apply. Let's continue. Jane, Wall, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. It's so nice to talk to you tonight. I, I hope you don't mind if I digress, but I've been holding on, so we're at oh, a different do, you topic right, ahead. right now. But yes. this is um, just a, a question that I had I've been thinking about. If, if it was true that they used uh, an I- illegal information or an illegal document to go to a FISA court judge to get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign, and in the middle of that, they brought in Flynn to testify or to interview. Can that be invalidated because the warrant was obtained illegally and thus the charges brought against him be thrown out? I think it could be. I think it's worth a shot. We just need all the information, and his lawyers need all the information, and his lawyers should be demanding all the information. The problem is he's already pled yeah, that's to a what I'm false saying. statement. He, but if, it, if they brought him in... I'm saying it may be too late. But I, but, I, I, but I get your point. I mean, there's no reason his lawyers can't, can't start filing, assuming Flynn is up to it and has the money to do it and so forth. As they learn more and more information, raise certain issues. The problem is when you plead, you're swearing under oath to certain facts and certain behavior. It's kind of hard to reverse that. But 
That said, yes, I mean, I, I would make a run at it. I mean, the only reason they were able to hear what he was I saying. I know, I'm agreeing with you. I said I would make a run at it. Right. Well, now, you know, and, and you're talking about the infrastructure. I just want to throw this out. My daughter um, lives in Baltimore. She's been there for seven years. And we go down on 295 out of New Jersey, and then we go on to 95. They have and they've been building that damn stuff over there for three years, driving up traffic for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, and I've sat there for two damn hours. I'm telling you, it's been seven years because my daughter seven. has lived there for seven years, and we just went down this week, and I said, I can't believe it's taking seven years to make a ramp. I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know why. They appear taking- to be making one damn ramp. And it is outrageous. Right along there, 295, 95, it is a disaster. And uh, you're going to see this all over the country when they start uh, actually spending this money. And they're going to be looking for ways to spend this money. You know what? I have lived not exclusively and not continuously, but in and around the outer burbs of Washington, D.C. for decades. They never stop. Building, They never stop saying they don't have enough roads, they're not wide enough, we need overpasses, we need bridges. It never ends. It is a massive developer's industry. And so we do have bridges that are decrepit, we do have tunnels that need work. Let me tell you, we got these, these, these think tanks and associations in and around the Beltway, the civil engineers and the rest who keep pointing out, we need to do this, we need to do this, all oh, this is going to happen. Armageddon's coming, Armageddon's coming. They keep priming the pump and pumping the prime, and this is where that comes from. Well, I just don't understand it. And even when you go over the Delaware Memorial Bridge, it's still two lanes. They still have the cones up. I have it, There's traffic. Well, it's, it's, it's three lanes in each direction, but one lane in each direction is usually blocked, which is your point. Right. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Oh, you didn't think I knew. Oh, yes, I know. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you dragged your IRS tax problems into 2018? It's not if. It's when they catch up with you, you know. But with the number one tax resolution firm, Optima Tax Relief, standing between you and the IRS, you can finally look forward to a fresh start. Uh, Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good, hardworking Americans, people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks, people who need caring experts, and I mean caring and experts, to stand between them and the IRS. That's how Optima has resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. And not only that, they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Stop living in fear that this is the day the IRS shows up at work or knocks on your door, garnishes your paycheck, or freezes your bank accounts. Call Optima to see if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative, an IRS program that just might solve your problems for good. Call Optima. Here's the toll-free number. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Well, by the way, there are many ways to watch and listen to the State of the Union Address in about an hour. 
Well, over at CRTV, they have a wonderful, wonderful uh, panel with Dan Bongino, among others, Michelle Malkin. Uh, you can watch the State of the Union effectively, essentially, with them uh, at this link and watch them comment afterwards. It's going to be compelling, substantive, entertaining. That's how I'm going to watch it. So I think you're going to very, very much enjoy it. I'll put the link up on my social sites at the top of the hour. So all you have to do is link up and watch it. Let's go to Father Arsenios in India, in the country of India. Where in India are you, Father? I'm in the Polony Hills in the southern state of Tamil Nadu. All right. How are you, sir? I'm good. I wanted to say two things. First, I want to let you know that I daily at Mass, I pray for you, your team, your family and friends. Thank you. That you continue your work unabated and unabashed, which is pretty given. And secondly, I'd like to say that something you mentioned a few days ago, it really goes to the heart of the issue, is that with the crazy left, the Republican Party, the, the media, they're putting party before country. And so the situation we're in is not just a, a deliberation or a debate of ideas. It's really, in my opinion, darkness against light or good against evil. And it's since they're consumed with hate, it even makes it exasperated more. And it's just um, insidious to the highest degree. Well, it really is. It's a rot, you know, at the heart of the republic. And uh, most of the great thinkers in American history have made the point that if America is to be destroyed, it will be destroyed from within. And this is a perfect example of, of what they were talking about. Here we have a an entity, a bureau that was created. Um, uh, it's not a constitutionally a gra- a created or granted entity. And all this talk about it's independent, independent, independent. I mean, it's supposed to be independent from partisan politics. But to say that the president can't fire people because of the fact of partisan politics within the higher levels of the FBI is to turn it upside down. And when you have one political party, which is serving as a special pleader for rogue activities that's taking place in one of the most powerful entities we have in this country. And not only that, Mm -hmm. has worked to unleash a special counsel to try and drag down a president when he's trying to deal with North Korea and Iran and so many other problems. I mean, it it is absolutely tyrannical. Tyrannical is a word, and demonic is actually the the more direct word. It's a good word. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. it's absolutely true. And so the only way to, to defeat it, I mean, that, that's the word. You, you can't debate it. You can't compromise it. It has to be defeated. And there's just every single aspect of, of thought, power, prayer needs to be employed to put these people down. And in fact, the, the, um, the prayer I say every day at, at Mass is to bring them low. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, I hope you'll keep in touch. I want to thank you again for listening and and calling in. And God bless you, sir. And we'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the...
from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't be upset with me. Don't be upset with me, but a week or ten days from now, the speech will not have mattered. And I'll tell you why. Not because of the president, not because of the Republicans even, But because of the Democrats and the media, they've shown no inclination to work with this man, and they've shown every inclination to want to rip his heart out. And that's what they're going to continue to do. Uh, And so uh, he can offer trillions of dollars in new spending. He can offer multi-millions of new uh, citizens out of illegal aliens. Uh, He apparently desperately wants to try and change the narrative. Uh, the pom-poms and the uh, rockets out there will tell you that that's exactly what he's done. And what I'm telling you is he can't do it with them. It's not going to work. Not because of him, because of them. Folks, they want him to go to prison. They want his sons to go to prison. And while they're at it, they'd love for his daughter and his wife to go to prison. If they can't get him to prison, they would love to remove him based on their claims of mental derangement. Now, if they can't get him on mental derangement, they would just flat out like to impeach him if they can take the House of Representatives. They've got a special counsel going. They have an impeachment plan going that we've talked about. They're they're, they're stupidly looking at the 25th Amendment, which is harder, but they're still looking at it, and they talk about it. And from their position, I want you to think this through. They figure $1.5 trillion. By the way, what happened to $1 trillion? He had a $1 trillion infrastructure uh, plan, generally speaking, broadly speaking. Now it's $1.5 trillion. So it already grew by half a trillion dollars. I'm sorry, folks. I can't sit idly by and smile at that stuff. If Obama did it, we'd all be gagging. If Obama talked about 11 million new citizens made from a pool of illegal immigrants, we'd all be flying off the roof. Let's admit it. But this is a great strategy. No, it's not, because it's not going to matter. They're going to kill whatever he wants to do, double down on whatever he wants, or take what he's put on the table and still stab him in the back. Unless you believe the Democrats are rational. Unless you believe the media will reverse course. Unless you believe MSNBC will get a whole new lineup of hosts. And CNN will get a whole new lineup of hosts. Nothing's going to change. You heard what Nancy Pelosi said. Her racist comments. You know what Chuck Schumer is. He's a snake in the grass. It, It really amazes me. The lack of comprehension by people with microphones and cameras when it comes to this stuff. The Democrats are not out to govern. The Democrats are not out for bipartisanship. The Democrats are not out for a union of both parties. The Democrats are out to destroy us, what we stand for, our belief systems, our education system, our health care system, our immigration system, our economic system, 
law enforcement, the military. That's their agenda. Fundamental transformation. Progressivism. They're going to work with us? They'll take what they can from Trump. They'll take what they can from McConnell. They'll take what they can from Ryan. They'll laugh all the way, and they'll give almost nothing in return. And by the way, if this is a PR stunt like some of these talkers have said on TV and radio, it's a damn expensive PR stunt, $1.5 trillion on 11 million citizens who were illegal aliens yesterday. Plus, it's not going to work. The rhinos are all over TV as commentators. They're thrilled with this. They think it's wonderful. McConnell can barely compose himself. I could tell because he actually blinked. They're thrilled. We're going to go on the right way here. I mean, Lulak. Lulak has said it's a good beginning. Lulak. He cites Lulak. You know what Lulak is? It's a leftist organization. And McConnell is citing a leftist organization. Just like on the tax bill, they're giving class warfare. And by the way, I want to get back to that. Some of you are seeing bonuses as a result of the tax cuts. And promotions. And I think this is wonderful. And you know what that is? That is the corporate side of the tax cut equation. When you slash taxes for corporations, businesses, small businesses, and whatever, they hire more people, they promote people, they increase pay, they get bonuses. They invent more things, they produce more things. It's a great thing. You know what it's called? Liberty. You know what it's called? The private sector. You know what it's called? Capitalism. Now, the problem is on the individual rate side, millions of Americans, <coughs> excuse me, are going to see their taxes go up. They don't know it yet till they're hit. On April 15th or thereabouts. So that is not a great cut when it comes to individuals. It is when it comes to corporations. So don't be fooled by that either. Don't be fooled by that either. So when the president talks about liberal issues like amnesty, liberal issues like massive spending, dressed up as a private-public partnership that won't cost a dime to the Treasury and won't even add to the debt. Are you kidding me now? Are you kidding me? Of course it will. It always does. But he's our president. It won't happen. Um, Yes, it will. Absolutely will. The president, when he was talking to the media off the record, and of course they leaked it, said when it comes to immigration, it's one thing to be a businessman, it's another thing to be the president of the United States, and we're talking about millions and millions of people. I'm paraphrasing pretty damn close. And he said, I put myself in their position, and, uh, you know, we've got to make things right. We have to show compassion and love. And so I thought to myself, he could never have won the presidency saying that. Never. Never have won the presidency saying that. Never. And yet that's what he says. So these two issues, uh, and I'm sure he'll talk about protectionism tariffs, and you'll see the Democrats applauding on that too. So here's the distinction. And when I say it, it upsets people, but I can't help it. 
The goal is to persuade as many people as you can to your point of view. I'm not talking about the hacks in Congress. I'm talking about the American people. This is the format to do it. If you don't make the case for the enforcement of the immigration laws, rather than just throwing out there, we've offered this and we're going to chain migration, everything. Okay, got it. If you don't make the case, we shouldn't have to even discuss securing the country, if that's what securing the border means, in the same breath as granting amnesty. You've already given a zillion points to the other side just by linking the two, let alone giving amnesty to millions, 11 million. That's the real number. And when it comes to infrastructure spending, you're making a proposal that the old, really, governor of Louisiana, Huey Long, would have been thrilled with. Franklin Roosevelt would have been thrilled with. Barack Obama would have been thrilled with, but for the Republican Congress blocking him. If you're going to lurch left and make these Democrat-type proposals and embrace them as your own and get nothing for it, you haven't made the case to the American people. You need to make the case to the American people. Because if the president doesn't make the case to the American people, and he is the greatest following and the greatest audience, including tonight, especially tonight, then who's going to make it? Who's going to make it? So when it comes to amnesty, he's taking the Democrat rhino position, which is why McConnell and Ryan are thrilled. When it comes to infrastructure, massive new spending, and it is deficit spending. Don't be fooled. He's taking the Democrat rhino position. These are the positions of the swamp. And if you find yourself defending them, then it's very difficult for you to be talking about the swamp, the swamp, the swamp, when this is the swamp. I'll be right back. Mark in. Newt's a very smart guy, but we got to do infrastructure bipartisan. we got to do immigration bipartisan. Um, next, I think we'll hear that if we can get 80% of it, uh, that's a victory. Well, we're not going to get 80%. We've already given up an enormous number on amnesty, 11 million. And let me tell you something, down the road, which Republicans rarely think about, uh, that number will tip states and make it almost impossible to win the presidency over time. Now, that's how serious that is. And that's why it's really not good enough for all of us to sit here and just say, I trust, I trust, I trust. You have to be engaged as a citizenry. It doesn't mean you're disloyal to the president. It doesn't mean you're sabotaging the president. <clears throat> Quite the contrary. You're trying to bring the president back on these issues. I don't think we can. Not at this point. And, um, you know, $1.5 trillion, uh, private-public partnership. You will be told that it's only a couple hundred billion by the federal government. Has anybody – are you familiar with these, these massive infrastructure projects coming in under budget? Are there many of those? I'm saying, are there many of those? And what if they don't? 
Who do you think is going to pay for this? And before you jump in, we need infrastructure. You understand infrastructure means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It's not necessarily just roads and bridges, you know. Building brand new airports for cities that want another airport or communities that want another airport but choose not to float their own bonds. So you, the American federal taxpayer, pay the bill rather than the localities or the states paying the bill. That's just one example. There are thousands of examples like that. Were you, the federal taxpayer, going to pay for these white elephants that states and localities want but would dare not impose on their own taxpayers? The irony here is when the tax cuts came and was, it came to eliminating and, or severely capping the ability to deduct the, uh, your property taxes or your state income taxes, we were told you're sick and tired, right, of subsidizing blue states who have high property taxes and high state income taxes. And yet we're not sick and tired of subsidizing blue states when it comes to redistributing tax dollars, are we? Or we're not sick of subsidizing other states other than our own or other cities. We're not sick of subsidizing airports for other cities, roads for other states, bridges for other states. This isn't just a fix-up job. We're not just remodeling and repairing. These are massive new spending projects. This is how, in the New Deal, they killed the economy rather than unleashing the economy. You drain resources out of the private sector and you commit them to government-run, government-prioritized projects. That's what you do. And so you're going to watch suddenly the Republican Party become the party of FDR and massive infrastructure spending, along with the Democrats. You're going to see both parties jumping up, their members like clapping seals, whether they're wearing weird uniforms or outfits or whatever, all of them are going to jump up and applaud. You're going to hear your favorite talk show and radio, uh, TV hosts tell you why this is a great thing politically, strategically, uh, while we're also now supporting amnesty as a great thing, 11 million, because we trust the president and therefore, what's the problem? I'm sorry to throw a wet blanket. It's not a wet blanket. I'm telling you the way it is. This is the way it is. Tom, San Francisco, California. No, let's pass on this. Mr. Call Screen, we've had Tom on three times. That would be in two weeks. So we want to thank Tom, but we're going to move on, okay? Clayton, Wichita Falls, Texas, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Hi, Mark. Good evening. Doing well here. How about you? Very well. Thank you. Mark, I think you're hitting it, uh, the nail right on the head about infrastructure. I'm a native Texan, but I did live for eight years in Massachusetts, and I witnessed the conclusion of the big dig. And you know that that project was going to be originally about two to three billion, and you know what it ended up costing the taxpayers? Let me, let me see if I'm over 20 billion and the damn thing still leaks. Am I right about that? That's right. I think the last estimate was it was $24 billion, which is one of the costliest sections of highway in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, nobody cares uh, because, you know, the, the local taxpayer didn't feel the brunt of it. The state taxpayer didn't feel the brunt of it. The federal taxpayer, because all this money is thrown in the air and it falls to the ground, federal taxpayer is not even aware of it. And this is what they do. This is infrastructure spending. 
That's right. Great. I just wanted to share that great example of what infrastructure spending can do to us. It starts off with two or three billion and turns out to be almost 25 billion. Uh, let me give you an example not too far from where I'm located. Uh, there is an overpass that they've been building. They've been building it for two and a half years. Uh, they've widened some of the roads uh, that lead to it and, and lead from it. Two and a half years. It's gone on and on and on. What's the point of this? What's the point? Of it? And we're going to see more and more of this, and everybody's going to be smiling because everybody's going to think that this is a noble enterprise that we're entered. No, we're not. It's not. It's money that will be taken out of the private sector either through taxes or the private sector diverting funds into this. Uh, they're going to be paying uh, labor costs and material costs that are through the roof. Absolutely. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's go to Quinn, Springfield, Virginia, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Great. How are you doing tonight, Mark? I uh, wanted to start off by saying I'm a U.S. Marine. I really appreciate the support that you and your listeners uh, give. Uh, uh, listen to me. Blessing. God bless you, sir, and we salute you and thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Um, the On the topic of this infrastructure stuff, um, I'm a fairly young man. I'm 30 years old. I'm just kind of getting back into the fold of politics. I felt like it was a responsible thing to do after this last election went so crazy. And, uh, you know, I the the debt thing has been weighing pretty heavy on me. I'm, I'm curious what it's going to look like in, in 20 years when, you know, the bill collectors come and you know, by then we might even be triple where we're at now uh, at this rate. And, the debt's uh, going to be massive. Uh, Social Security and Medicare are going to be uh, almost impossible to rein in for future generations. Um, and uh, this money, like the stimulus money, you remember the stimulus money under Obama, almost a trillion dollars that was supposed to go to roads and shovel-ready jobs? What did that do? What did that do? What happened to all the money that they got, and I mean it, from the tobacco settlement? Hundreds of billions of dollars went to the state. What do they do with it? It's gone. Kaput. Where's the highway trust fund? Gone. Kaput. Where's the social security trust funds? Gone. Kaput. The Medicare funds. Gone. Kaput. But don't worry. This time it's going to be different, Quinn. No, it's not. Thanks for your call and thanks for your service. Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. So we're hoping that Democrats rally around, around amnesty and massive government spending. And while they'll take what they can get, they're not going to rally around this president, not for a damn thing, not for anything. Even if he was Barack Obama reincarnate. Franklin Roosevelt. Wouldn't matter. In need of great talent for your business, but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You know, you just need the right tools, smarter tools. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just a click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. 
ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yes, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. It's that simple. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. While we're on the subject of immigration, as we've kind of been bouncing around here and there, you're not allowed to use the word chain migration anymore. Kirsten Gillibrand, who is a complete fraud, especially when it comes to the issue of sexual harassment, uh, she was on The View. And she said, you know, this word chain really does does have a, a, a horrible impact on African Americans. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said the same thing. These are our two translucent members of Congress. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden you see it's, uh, it's discriminatory, it's racist. But here's a montage of Democrats using the phrase over time. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon. Go. When someone uses the phrase chained migration, it is intentional. In trying right, hold, to on, de- hold on, hold on, hold on. Chained migration, the words, not chained migration, it's chain migration. Start from the top, please. Go. When someone uses the phrase chained migration, it is intentional in trying to demonize families. Next, we hear scare tactics regarding chain migration. May I just clarify that this is not an amendment that is about chain migration. Excessive restrictions are necessary to reduce the chain migration. So this is not a chain migration issue. The Dream Act would not allow what is known as chain migration. Now, the other part of this is that there are changes made in what's called chain migration. In this way, we address the concern raised by many about chain migration. And I would just add, it is not my belief that my son and daughter are chain migration. And that is that we have chain migration. This issue of chain migration is a false one. I know that some of my colleagues like to come here and say, well, you're going to permit something that they call chain migration. Chain migration. I said to the president, do you realize how painful that term is to so many people? Literally trying to demonize families. Hold on, let's stop. Do you realize this guy, Dick Durbin, do you realize how painful his first name is to so many people, Mr. Producer? Yes. They go around the Senate floor, Dick Durbin saying, hey, Dick, you realize how painful that is to people who have little children listening to this? Dick Durbin this, and Dick Durbin that, and Dick Durbin this. It's offensive to people named Richard in particular. Just so that I'd mention that, just a reminder, Bill Clinton in the 1995 State of the Union Address, we played this recently, we've played it before, but given that it's the State of the Union, this is what Bill Clinton said 23 years ago. Cut 11, go. All Americans... Not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens, 
In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Oh, my. Oh, my. I wonder what Kirsten Gillibrand thinks of that. Not really. Nancy Pelosi, as I affectionately call her, Stretch, uh, given the, uh, well, whatever. So uh, she was on CNN last night with Chris Cuomo. So here you have two Democrats from two Democrat families. One originally from Baltimore, Pelosi, and, of course, New York, that would be Cuomo, having a discussion with each other as, as, as if it's a news program. But it gets a little bit testy. Cut 12, go. Do you think that it helped the chance of getting a deal done by describing their offer as making America white again? Well, that's what they're doing. I, I could have been saying that a year ago, but the president said it. He said it when he talked about uh, uh, certain countries and how he characterized them. Ah, shut up, you idiot. I can't even let you finish. He, 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 he said it. He said, no, he didn't. You're a disgrace. You've been a disgrace for a long time. The hell will the younger Democrats wake up and kick her the hell to the curb? May I say, with all due respect, not. You know, the other benefit of watching the CRTV link that I put on Mark Levin Show Facebook and Mark Levin Show Twitter, seriously, if you're going to watch the State of the Union, as opposed to just listen to it on our wonderful affiliates. There's not the the the, the pretending uh, of having balance by having some hack on there, left winger who's annoying you throughout the whole damn thing. Why punish yourself? I'm not going to punish myself. The links up at Mark Levin show Facebook, Mark Levin show Twitter. We got Dan Bongino, Michelle Malkin. Um, who else? Will Cow. And others. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. And the production level's really, really through the roof. So, and you can watch it on all your devices. You can watch it on your computer if you want. I know you'll like it. If you have Roku, you can watch it on that. Oh, yes. Kyle, Charlotte, North Carolina. Sirius Satellite. How are you? Mark, I'm doing excellent. How are you? Thank you. Very well, so thank you. you do every night. Thank you. And now Mark, it's your turn. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to uh, kind of run a proposal by you and get your opinion on it since you're. I'm against it. I always vote no. Uh, whenever okay. I go into the uh, to vote and there's some bond thing or something, I don't know what it's. No, 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 no. But anyway, go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> I was uh, wanted to touch on the infrastructure spending, quote unquote, that the government wants to do. And we all know that the infrastructure needs help in this country. My my general idea about that, fixing that problem, is have the government enter into a contract with a private party, much like they do today. But sir, sir, that's what they're going to tell you. That's private-public relationship. And you need to understand, the government doesn't do anything. Medicare is a payment system to private hospitals, non-profit hospitals. The government doesn't have construction workers and dump trucks and cement trucks and all the rest of it. 
so when the government spends money, it's always a public-private, you know, type of situation. So that doesn't get us anywhere. Can they get the money? I guess my my question off that would be how can they? And get by the, the way, and by the way, I happen to live in an area where the roads don't need repair, the bridges don't need repair, there aren't any tunnels. Uh, uh, you know, on and on and on and on. I mean, is, is every road and every bridge and every tunnel and every airport have to be built up again from the bottom up? Of course not. Not at all, not at all. But I will give you a personal example. Uh, when I was commuting in Baltimore, um, a tile fell from the tunnel in, in, a, in a particular section. So Baltimore ought to pay for it. A- absolutely. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Baltimore should. I guess what I'm saying is... Now, how- another, now, let me just say, to have a responsible representative government at the local, state, or federal level, if a tile is falling off a tunnel... And there's two tunnels that go in and out of Baltimore, uh, and both under the Chesapeake. I use them both. If a tile, their tolls are through the roof. They charge a fortune to use their damn tunnels. They got all kinds of federal subsidies. They get all kinds of uh, other subsidies. The fact of the matter is, if a tile is falling from the roof, that means politicians are taking money away from the tunnels and spending it elsewhere. So if now the federal taxpayer comes in and provides them with largesse, That'll just allow them again to use more money to redistribute wealth, to grease the palms, to get reelected, and the tunnel will be my responsibility, your responsibility, or it won't get done. Exactly, and it already is our responsibility by paying a toll. So why not paying into a private system that works better for us? Sir, our- sir, I'm trying to explain to you something. What private system are you talking about? Just a private that private enterprise system away from the government. Well, who wants to do that? Who wants to own those tunnels? There are Nobody. At least certain. Well, plenty of companies name one. I mean, exactly. The, That's theory. Idea. It's not reality. All right, Kyle. Thanks for your call. Let's continue. They have these toll roads, right? I've got one near me. It's 267, the Dulles Access Road. It's run by a a foreign private company. They own it. The toll road has been paid off 20 times over. If they want to raise the price of a toll, the government has to approve it. That is, the government of Virginia. They still can't make money. Now, if I can put that money elsewhere, I'm going to put it elsewhere. But that's not even my point. They're not going to do any of that. Larry. Evansville, Indiana, the great WGBF. Go. Great. Thanks a lot, Mark. Um, as far as this infrastructure goes, you know, I know you remember some years back when we went oh so European with all those roundabouts as well. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, concerning this $1.5 trillion that's, uh, that look like they're going to want to, uh, you know. Uh, what happened to the $1 trillion? How did we get it up to $1.5 trillion? Right out of the box. I guess the overruns have already overrun before they started. It, it is amazing to me. We've gone from seven to eight hundred thousand dock at a one point eight million uh, citizenship amnesty. We've gone from a one trillion dollar infrastructure program already to a one point five trillion dollar infrastructure program. And we'll be told, don't worry, it's private part, uh, pu- public partnership. Well, the right. government always relies on the public sector to build stuff. Well, that's right, Mark. But when I was looking at this, you know, one point five trillion dollars being added to the national debt, you spoke. Uh, uh, so eloquently about the national debt and unfunded liabilities and uh, Social Security Trust Fund, uh, Highway Trust Fund and such. But when with the interest rates now going up as well, 
Um, a lot of people don't know that over the last 30 years, we have, we the taxpayers have paid out over $10.1 trillion in interest on the national debt. So we've paid out half of what the national debt is now over the last 30 years. And when the rates go up? The rates go up, we'll, we'll, we'll go right Disaster. Up. Disaster. Which is yeah. one of the reasons the Federal Reserve has kept their foot on the brake. And uh, if it goes up, it goes up in tiny little fractions because they know what will happen. Well, sure, sure. And, and like I said, though, that's, uh, you know, with with over $10 trillion being paid out in interest over the last 30 years, that's since the end of the Reagan administration up through now. Um, and what you had said earlier with, with the, uh, not, another night, with the uh, projected uh, national debt going to be uh, uh, going up to $40 trillion in 12 years, uh, look what the look what the uh, interest payments are going to be on forty trillion. I know, and none of this is discussed. There'll, there'll, there'll be a few throwaway lines. People will say we're going to attack the debt. I want to propose a budget to attack the debt. I don't know how you can do that out of one side and then out of the other side. You're you're proposing not even a trillion dollar infrastructure. Now it's up to one point five trillion. Larry, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. State of the Union address will be carried right down the line on our radio networks, by our affiliates. If you're in your cars and you want to listen, or at home by a fireplace and you want to listen, you can do it that way too. You can listen on your Mark Levin app. You can listen on your iHeartRadio app. It'll be on satellite radio in every way imaginable. And the President has a lot of good things he can say about his agenda, about what he wants to do. Um... But I just wanted to bring to your attention two of the issues that I know most of the others aren't going to want to talk about, so we talk about it. And we're also hopefully not going to see a spectacle of buffoons and clowns among the Democrats and in the gallery uh, who have as their purpose uh, to disrupt what is a wonderful tradition. Now, I'm not saying they have to applaud. I'm not saying they have to jump up. I'm not saying they have to do anything except conduct themselves as gentlemen and ladies, or however they self-identify. You like trivia? What British-style shirts have I been raving about all year? Now, you know this one. I wear them on TV and to meetings and to social events. They're literally my favorite dress and business casual shirts. Now, if you said CT shirts, you're right. And my friends at CT shirts tell me I have the best dress listeners in America. That's because you guys purchased more CT shirts than any other radio program in the nation. Now, does that include each of you? No. So what's holding you back? CD shirts are British-styled using the softest, most exquisite fabrics ever. Worker casual, tie or no tie, tucked or untucked. When you're wearing a CT shirt, you look great, and you know it. Now, let me help get you started. One CT shirt normally costs 100 bucks. Right now, you'll get three shirts... For just $99. Now that's 60% off. And CT shirts come with free delivery. Free delivery. A six-month quality guarantee. That's half a year. And free returns. Nobody else does that. That's how confident they are you're going to love these shirts. If you hurry, 99 bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts. And they are. Go to ctshirts.com slash levin. CTShirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. 
That's ctshirts.com slash Levin. All right. Let's take a call here as we work our way out. Garrett, Cleveland, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Uh, yes, Mark. I just wanted to ask you tonight, how do you feel the uh, the bill for amnesty and or deportations on the other end of it would affect the agriculture industry in the United States? I don't know. How do you think it would affect it? I, I think it will. I think deportations would definitely. So in other words, we're relying on illegal aliens to grow our food, to harvest our food, to package our food, to transport our food. That is BS. That crap's been going on for the longest, longest time. Here's the funny thing, sir. Do you, do you, if, if we would get rid of, here's the so-called radical part, because I believe in liberty. If we would get rid of all the rules, like minimum wage and so forth, that affect farmers, particularly agribusiness, then none of this would be necessary. The market would determine it. None of it would be necessary. So to keep importing individuals into this country, who drain our law enforcement resources, who drain our education resources, who drain our health care resources, because you are concerned about somebody picking strawberries. I've had about enough of that, and so has most of the rest of the country. We cannot have businesses in this country, whether they're farmers or whether they're producing pencils, who rely on illegal immigration. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We'll be back tomorrow, and in my unique way, we will discuss the State of the Union speech. Enjoy it, and God bless.